Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the Sideline, a podcast for coaches and aspiring coaches, where we share the best practices of coaching, interview with coaches, and experts in the field of coach education. Here's your host, Vin Blaine. Welcome to On the Sideline. I'm your host, Vin Blaine. Today, I'll be discussing pressing with Gary Corneen. Gary, who is originally from Northern Ireland, is the founder of Modern Soccer Coach and the author of the Modern Soccer Coach book series. In addition to his vast coaching experience, Gary holds a UEFA A license from the Irish FA and a premier diploma from the NSCAA. Gary, it's indeed a pleasure to welcome you on the show. Great to be on. Great to be I, on. I've looked forward to this for a while now. I've been for my for my got in touch with you. I'm saying, okay, I'm looking forward to this. I've seen you written several books. And we can't get into all of the books today. But there's one interesting one that I, I, I see. I think, is that, was that the last one on, on pressing? Uh, pressing was the second. The last one was the 433. Then the pressing one was before that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's an interesting topic for, for a lot of coaches. This is why I really want us to sort of discuss that, this one. Yeah. A lot of coaches just talk about pressing. But they use the word, I should say they use the word pressing. Yeah. If you listen to a coach in a game and all from their mouth is, oh, press, press, press. And I'm saying oftentimes I ask coaches, have you ever trained your team to press and how? What's the methodology in pressing? So this is one of the areas I wanted to look at first because one of your things, I was, I was reading up in, in, in one of your profiles and addressing certain areas that coaches should pay attention to. When, they, when they're developing a, a successful uh, pressing game. Take it from there for me, um, Gary, on that. Yeah, so f- first off, I would completely agree with you. It's probably the inspiration behind the book was I felt that pressing was being looked at in a really superficial, general way. That people were just yelling it from the sideline. But what, mm. I, was, what I was kind of most, most frustrated with was when I was watching a lot of games over here at youth college, even pro, was I felt we were a bit reluctant to press, uh, especially at the youth level when there's no real risk and stakes there. I thought mm. why we were reluctant to do it in talking to coaches were that you would normally hear that this, well, we're not fit enough to press. We're not, you know. And that's right. the, I kind of want to go down a road where I wanted to link it all together where pressing has more to do with, yes, there's a physical component, but I believe the most important component is the intelligence, uh, the understanding of when to go, the understanding of angles, the understanding of individual roles, responsibilities. And then alongside that, the the integration of culture, like can you be an aggressive press and team without having this environment? And I think Mm -hmm. that football has shown us today that I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can have even like Simeone's team aren't naturally a pressing team, mm-hmm. but they use their culture to to be defensively very, very strong. 
Klopp uses his culture Pep's a culture guy he you know and, and that's where out of it I wanted to get coaches to look at yeah some different practitioners uh, I definitely wasn't saying that I was the pressing king if, if anything I felt like some of my methods in the past what I wanted to address in the book held me back and, and I wanted to share that so I wanted to get away from hey if we can't be successful in a really aggressive system and we just don't have the players to do it. Now, you can train it, you can get better at it, but that involves you as well as a coach. Right, definitely. And as I said, I, one interesting part of that, what you just said is about the angles because, the, the, like, for instance, if a curved run can assist with closing down that player and keeping them on one side of, of the field. I've realized that a lot of times you, you find, especially a tackle, the forwards, they'll be running towards the, the, the ball and then they stop and look around and there's no support for him. And, and it, it shows me that it, that was never trained. That would be your take. Yeah, I mean, that's the detail, right? Like if, if, you're, if you're at the first floor in the lobby and everything is press, press, work, 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 then you'll never get to the second or third floor where you get more detail, you get more nuances. To be fair, the, the coaching community is progressing now. You hear the language of, of a common language and you hear a language now of detail and depth. I think it goes it goes as long as you want it to go. But I think that, yeah, I mean, there's, again, like I would say Simeone is, is a coach that is probably the best defensive coach in the world. And it's not really hard to find exercises and drills that show the detail there's a clip. I think it's uh, the new young Portuguese signing uh, where he's he's literally, you know, at the top level, a yard, half a yard, getting you right. That body shape, you get that raw and the whole system crumbles. So, again, if you go back to that, all right, so if that's, if that's not mastered, whose fault is that? And, yeah, like, I think we would all agree if you start 20 coaches in the room, I think probably 18, 19 of them would agree that, that the coach can impact that there with the work they do during the week. And then if the player isn't listening to you, I still think that the coach can impact that. I still think that the coach can say, right, well, is there ways to get this player on board? Um, because I think pressing is the ultimate, it's the ultimate team system. For like a Pep Guardiola's uh, possession system is the ultimate system in possession. Pressing is the ultimate system out of possession. Because mm -hmm. if one person doesn't do their work for the team, you're done. You're done. So that's the detail. So, like, you're right. And I think that then I think the road to go down that or coaching that is where it's enjoyable. Like, we mm -hmm. want to coach detail. But in order for us to get to detail, we have to embrace that there is a certain part of it that we have to stagger or tear our learning towards it um, rather than just say, it's fitness, it's running, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh I want to discuss, because you are saying that there are certain areas that coaches must address. But I want to ask you one thing, because a lot of, I see a lot of times we are pressing, the team is pressing. But what do you think about closing the passing lanes, closing down the passing lanes? Is that, isn't that important in the pressing, overall pressing? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's then working in uh, teams within teams, then working on second and third players. I learned more of it actually at the professional level with the Red Stars. I, I learned about players who were more conditioned to block the passing lane mm -hmm. and I would have been more conditioned to take the risk. So 
in my conversation with those players, I'd be like, hey, like, take the risk, go, you'll force a mistake. They would say, you can see what the pass is going. You can see so yes. their perspective was different. And, and it was it was pretty, like, to be honest, like, I, I changed, I shifted quite a bit. I still would be, I still, like, at most levels, I still think if you pressure, you either force backwards or you force a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and against a top player, they'll break it. But against a lot of players, you know, even at the top level, they struggle with it. So, yeah, the, the passing lanes are are very very important. Um, and again, if you're if you're pressing, I think I think the idea of pressing is compressing space. And the more numbers right. you can get around that space, then the easier it is to manipulate and control that space. But I mean, it, it is to a certain extent common sense if you're trying like. And Cruyff is the great phrase of you make the field as big as possible, small out of possession. And right. but but you're right. To make it a small out of possession, you have to you have to control outlets, and those outlets can be passing lanes, and and those are again the intricacies of pressing. Like you can, the better the opposition, the better chance they have of manipulating that and breaking it, and right. that's where the game becomes. And maybe that's at the top level where you know, I, I don't think we see pressing as much over the last five years, and I think a lot of it is because the players are at the top level are so like. Man City players are now passing into pressure, whereas 10 years ago, we were taught to pass, keep away from pressure. And now players are playing into it because Silva's, De Bruyne's, they can break it and go. Um, it's pretty, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because that's a fact. Normally, we are taught to make a safe pass, but they're actually passing into pressure, to, to be honest with you. Well, that that's the... That's to me. That's the next level, or and it's not the next level. A lot of teams are there, or are are gone beyond that already. I think that's where you're teaching players to get to, for especially centre backs, where where we almost have the tactics board and we have the two magnets and we tell them. To <laughs> but at the end of the day, with with more teams not pressing and more teams dropping back, now yeah. those teams are going to say, right, well, you can pass back and forth to two centre backs and. I actually just posted a, a blog on it today on my website to be well. Let's look at let's look at actually encouraging centre backs to go to pressure because mm-hmm. when you go to pressure now against a medium block, you're now initiating more decisions. And I and I think that's where again, Vin, my honest opinion is: we, if you expose a team to more decisions, you actually have a better chance of exposing space. If you expose them for more running, I mean, is that really the answer? Like that could go either way, but but decisions are, you know, then you're asking, then you're exposing maybe that detail. If you're ex- if you're just whacking the ball up and down the pitch and saying run, 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 you're not exposing <laughs> decisions. You're just exposing no. them to chaos, and, right. and and anyone can win at that stage. So I think that's the that's the beauty of the game. To where, I mean. Guardiola has, has mastered it 10, 15 years ago. The rest of us are, are just trying to play catch-up, it looks at this stage, where you're just trying to manipulate that space in and out of possession. I, I agree. I agree. I want to speak to something for me. I think a lot of coaches get, get carried away. There must be a trigger as to when, you, when you, you're going to press. And when the attacker goes, maybe that's the time for you to go. But I'm just using that scenario. But what's the approach should coaches take when they're training, pressing, Something I should be looking for because I know that um, the Barcelona, Barcelona doesn't as long as they lose the ball, they're gone. They're gone, yeah. Yeah, as long as they, as, as they lose the ball, they're gone. But and if you're not careful, you can get caught. 
you know, with space behind you. But I want now to address this in particular for coaches who have no idea, and I'm, I, with, no, with no disrespect to the coaches, but they talk about pressing and pressing and pressing. And there's no signal, let me call it a trigger to say, okay, this is where we press. You know, uh, so that's part of the approach by the coach. And the culture is there. Well, uh, Liverpool right now is, it has developed a culture. You know, Man City, same with, with, with Guardiola. Simeone, to me, what he did against Liverpool, sitting back, but they're not allowing him to play, you know, and the result was was evident. On that, I would I would say not allowing them to play is like this this little detail that again Liverpool should have won the game. Liverpool created chances. That's right. But, but there's a big difference in how for me there's a big difference in how Simeone absorbs pressure and how Mourinho absorbs pressure. Right. And, and to me, Mourinho absorbs it in shape and structure, but. Simeone still absorbs pressure with a certain amount of he he pressures service. Nobody stands, everyone works, and mm-hmm. so there's still I still think there's a certain amount of aggression in that block. Yes, uh, maybe in that, and that's where I think. Uh, I mean, that's another conversation. Is do, does a block if you play a low block and you you tell yourself to invite pressure? It's very then very then difficult if you're a boxer. And you're and you're going to sit on the ropes for a for a fight. Very very difficult then to get a punch in or to be mm-hmm. like because it contradicts your movements to be like all right well, and then it, you can almost be false sense of security. Well we're mm-hmm. okay. Well we're okay. We're okay. Well if someone strikes the ball for twenty five yards, <laughs> you, you need pressure. Yeah. But, but go back to your to your initial question. Um, I, I do. I think that I think where coaches. Uh, fall into a trap is that they only have the one trigger and the one trigger is when the goalkeeper has the ball mm-hmm. and that and the problem with that is that that if you get your distances and angles wrong and your timing wrong and you press when the goalkeeper has it and you you connect to your center backs then the goalkeeper sees pressure and he knocks the ball 60 yards up the pitch right you're done you have mm-hmm. you do there needs to be the detail there but i think the also the problem with that is the goalkeeper only kicks the ball out six seven times a half mm-hmm. so that's not enough like you're not going to get a, a return on that those pressing opportunities for that so going back to what we talked about initially with the detail was mm-hmm. that the more triggers you have then the more opportunities that you might get to to take advantage or get a return on your pressing i, I think the two center backs in possession i think uh, the forward to initiate that pressure Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a one forward or two forward, I think that's almost the easiest way to coach to get a, mm-hmm. a knock-on effect. I think fullbacks in possession, um, again, Simeone's mastered it with that uh, the wide pressure and, and using the touch lane as a defender. Um, but it is interesting what you're saying is that you said there about Barcelona just go go go, and I mm-hmm. do think there's a there's a sweet spot where if you've I've had coaches. I've seen presentations where coaches have had 17, 18 pressing triggers, mm. and one is bouncing ball, and the other is a backwards pass. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, it looks Vin, it looks brilliant on a PowerPoint, but <laughs> you, know, you get on that pitch and you're different. Oh, it's a different story. Hey, <laughs> and that's not that's not disrespect. So that. You know, yeah. there is a, like anything. There's a balance between getting the clarity. You can mm-hmm. go too many, or you can only have one, and you can have too little. So it's about 
understanding that with your players. Yes, that's, I agree with that. I, I'm going to go through some points that I've seen you, you outlined when you were describing pressing. And I want to I, I take this opportunity to let my listeners know that Gary has written a book, several books, but the one we're discussing now that we're referring to and taking some pieces from is the book on pressing. And um, if you if they all go to Modern Soccer Coach, um, the site that uh, Gary founded, and it's very, very, very interesting. You can, you can get all your books there. But in particular, we're discussing pressing. So, so let's let's uh, look at a point that you you mentioned in one of your preambles of, of a player player model. When you mention player models, explain that out to to my listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the initial I think the initial stage of of coach education at the minute, where it seems to be going, is is philosophy is a big big part of it. I think alongside philosophy is that I spoke to a group yesterday about philosophy and game models, and, and the problem with philosophy and game models is that it's very much collective based. So. Mm-hmm. The game of the four moments of the game are all, uh, I mean, they're pretty generic. Like you either have choices, but all the choices involves the team and the team is important. But let's go back to detail and the details about impacting individuals. So if you're a coach at the professional level, even at that level, I mean, we're I think we're starting to see a little shift. I think we're starting to see coaches that are creating better players. Like Guardiola's made Sterling better, you know, like, and that, yeah. things like that. But are we then looking at, what we want from each position, what we need from each position. And if it's a case of I get to recruit my players or buy my players, then I think that's, I mean, that's another thing. Like Liverpool is no secret. Liverpool's recruitment has been second to none. Spot on, yeah. Spot on. And and Manchester City's recruitment has been spot on. And Mm -hmm. there's no secret at all. The Manchester United's recruitment over the last five years has been... been Don't don't agree, no? Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) but... Alongside that, if you're a coach that's saying, all right, well, Gary, I'm a high school coach or Gary, I'm a club coach. I don't have a checkbook or nor can I have a pool of players to choose from. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then can you create profiles initially and then look to meet the player at least halfway there to say, all right, well, Johnny or Susie is a is a left side of forward. In order for us to play a certain game, what do we need from that position? And yeah, we, we, need, we need certain amounts of, there are physical attributes, but the physical right. attributes are different from a centre back. And I think that's something that you know the the amount of sprints that that player is going to have to make. And then can you look then and say, all right, well, again, you you said it before about angles. The angles of pressure of a of a left forward are going to be different from the angles of pressure from a right forward. Mm-hmm. So are you training that? And that's where we've done a chapter in the book where you know again coaches have different amounts of time, the luxury of time. Some some have more than others, but if you want to break this down and really get stuck in, then you know maybe you take two centre backs and you you take them for twenty minutes after a training session. Well, kicking the ball twenty yards back and forth to each other, you know, is not going to do it. You know, and you want to so you want to make every moment count. So you want to make right. it realistic to your model. And I think scaling back or or even going up a second, third, fourth floor, the analogy I would always use is is. Is like yeah, it's, it's levels, it's levels, and if you want right. to get better, you got to get to the next level. And I think level, again, chapter three or four was about positions, and I think that's one of the levels you have to. Again, to go back, you look at Bielsa, and you look at he does a lot of work mm-hmm. on on micro moments of the game with those positions, and we can say it's unopposed, we can say it's unrelated, but and I've been in professional environments, and it works like. 
when the players are comfortable doing work that they see value in, in on a Saturday, right. you yeah. know, they do it, they do it. And if it, if it gets them 10% more comfortable, more confident, and for me, it's worth doing. Um, so again, it's, it's up to the coach, but I, I think it's something that it would be healthy if they considered. But critical to that uh, player model and the, the game model are the uh, roles and responsibilities of each player. That basically what it comes down to, though. If you give them their resp- their roles or what they what they're expected to do when, when we're pressing, that is critical to that 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 um model. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the that's the clarity of I pro- mm-hmm. I suppose you have to identify that initially of you know for example then when when you're when you're pressing I think the biggest question is is well one of the biggest questions is you know are you going to show inside or outside at that wide forward are they going to and that's something that again like we could it could be in five-part podcast on the pros and cons but at yes. the end of the day <laughs> it's, personal. it's personal for you might want them inside i might want them outside, outside right that's right. fine but i think in your environment you need the clarity of that structure and then all of a sudden you need to then do work beyond that structure i do think then where science has a big role and i think where science has a bigger role than what it's doing at the minute is not counting gps units and putting them up on a spreadsheet at the end of the week for nobody to look at i think it's for the sports science department to see what the demands are for each position for the demands are for each player and work around that mm-hmm. could that be a starting point as opposed to hey barcelona got into this red zone and that's where we need to get to like i, I don't see that relevancy uh in in other teams but that's that's just me being critical <laughs> Yeah, and it comes down, I say it comes down to the player profiles too, as you, you were mentioned. You mentioned that before. Because uh I find that a lot of times we 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 hear as I as I started out at the beginning, that that coaches keep saying press, 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 press. But you're not seeing a system around that pressing, right? Yeah, and, and that's where I would even say that like I, I had a chapter, I have a chapter in the book on I have a little bit on Klopp, I have a little bit on Rogers, I have a little bit on uh <laughs> And Dorrance. And what I wanted to do there was not to say copy their models, but I wanted to give a little bit of depth in the type of people that they are. Because to your point, when someone says, you know, when you have a coach on the sideline shouting press, 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 or six seconds, six seconds, six seconds, right? They think that like they've got that <laughs> rationally, like they've heard that Pep does that or Klopp mm-hmm. does that, and they see mm-hmm. him on a on a Saturday doing that, but. I said to a group of coaches yesterday in a workshop, I'm like, we've only got, like, I, I do, I've done some coach education uh, with modern soccer coach have written. of Like, I am looking under every rock for every amount of information. Mm-hmm. And then I think I can only get, like, 5% of what Liverpool do. So if, if, if that surface level is 5%, then... There's way beyond like standing on the show, saying, Yeah, don't copy that, copy no. the personality that, that he, that you know, he's doing. I agree. Uh, that is something that I find a lot of young coaches and inexperienced coaches, and maybe, maybe experienced coaches, so I don't know, but I'm speaking from in the culture I'm used to is that we coach on the ball, but the players away from the ball. In pressing, I think that's important. The, the player away from the ball. What is yeah. your take on that? Yeah, 100%. And, and it's a really interesting point, Ben, because mm-hmm. when we're coaching the player on the ball, we're also coaching from 20 yards average plus with a distance. So it's um, Marion Spacey, a, a coach with Southampton in England, 
I had a video that <laughs> I thought this was a great point. She was coaching it with a group of coaches on a pitch, and she was she was all mic'd up, and she said that she she likened it to when the you know when the ball goes over the ball go, you're standing watching a game and you think that the ball's going in the back of the net mm-hmm. uh, on TV. And the crowd are like, oh, after. Yeah. But then whenever you see the, the replay, you realize that there was nowhere near it. 20 yards away. <laughs> yeah. like, but hey, yeah. but we don't take the same approach whenever we coach pressing or we coach something where a yard, a yard is a yeah. difference. And we're like, hey, uh, you could have got there. And, mm-hmm. and the player has to say yes or else they're going to get taken off. So I think to help that there, I think... Video is so important for the coach to go back and say, and and this is what like I've learned over the last five years is what I experience on a Saturday or a Wednesday is so emotionally driven that when I go back and watch it, it can almost be a different game. So when I go back and connect with that player, I have to have empathy that they're playing in a game that maybe I'm not seeing an accurate representation of. Mm -hmm. So you know, when we're watching and getting these pictures and making our assessments, we have to make sure that there's accuracy and detail in these assessments. And I think video is really, really important to do that. So, yeah. You made, you made a valid point there about the distance between the player, the pressing player and the put player on the ball. I never, I never uh, really thought about it that way from a coaching perspective from that distance. Because it's true. From where you're standing, the distance looks... The perspective looks a little bit shorter, so it's important that I, as long as we, I think, as long as we coach, I'm going to use principles just for, for the want of a word right now of pressing. I think what I see challenging is that players will make a run straight to the the, the player and give him an option to go either side of him instead of looking where the ball is and they make a curve run, close him down. You don't have to get close to him. So I think that initial run is important. Yeah, the like. The levels of, or the, you know, it, it's looking at press and actions on a spectrum rather than as a binary, you did or you didn't. And right. we see on one end of the spectrum, you've got the charge and then touch either side and you're beaten and you're out of the game. And then on the other side, you've got the player who just doesn't go at all. But in, mm-hmm. in the middle, it's where you need to get to impact. And like, And I think that's, again, that's what I've written in the book is like, as a coach, you have to define what you perceive as pressure. So, like mm-hmm. for me, what I would perceive as pressure, and this is what I would say on the first day, you know, those non-negotiables, like on the first day of training, I'm not going to waste 45 minutes doing a one v one exercise. You can identify it in two minutes. You can say, "Listen, mm-hmm. everyone, this is what I, I when I say pressure, it is touch tight, and and it is this is the body shape I'm looking for the opposition." It's mm-hmm. close enough that they put their head down. down yeah. Why do we want their head down? We want to remove the visuals that they can make a decision. So now mm-hmm. once the head goes down, and then now this is this is what we're looking for. And once the step goes negative, mm-hmm. now that's when we can make an aggressive tackle. If you're if you're coming, and then you can you can build in the principles towards that into game based training. Rather, mm-hmm. than, again, like I, I've written a fair bit over the last six months, one v one. 1v1 training with no context of uh, positions of the pitcher or of people is mindless. Like, it's it's not enough detail. It may be good for five, six-year-olds, not for, for 16-year-olds. Because you, you, you have the person with the ball has no options. And that, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, like, 
one v one is like yeah, there's no decision like no decision, stop, right? Stop the play. You're like, <laughs> it actually favors the defender because <laughs> you know, yeah, someone's doing like, and it baffles me because a lot of teams put out first day of preseason, you know, they'll put out a little video and I, and I'm all over it because I want to see what people are doing. But mm-hmm. it, it actually like it, it baffles me that you would do the coach is saying, you know, it's about our de- it's about our detail. We, you know, it's one v one, one v one, and we mm-hmm. got to get our detail right. And then walks away saying, oh, "What do you think of the session, coach?" Yeah, we've got defending was really good today. And you're like, oh, chance to the board, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but, but again, then that's where we need as a coaching, and we're getting better. We're getting better. But as a coaching community, we need to have higher standards in our detail because we like throwing it around and saying to our players that we need to be detailed. But if that's going to be the case, the same applies to us. We have to design sessions that are that are consistent with or complement how we want to play. And mm-hmm. again, similar to do you show them inside or outside, your sessions should be somewhat different from my sessions because right. you, you have a different philosophy and that's fine. You know, that I think that's the way it goes around. But I think there's a right or wrong way in like the detail that you can get to. I think that's where the fun is. Right, the certain things you pay attention to. And that's why I come to a point now where we, okay, we are pressing, right? We are pressing. What are some of the safeguards you take now? When, are you, when you're pressing, what are some of the things you should safeguard against? When you're pressing now, because it's, it's game-related now. It's, it's okay. game-related now. So when you're pressing, what are the things that we should, we should be cognizant of when we're pressing? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest one for me is... is actually how the moments interact with one another so how much how you're attacking organization mm-hmm. so if you're a direct team um and and say it goes from you know the goalkeeper bounces the ball three times and smacks it up the field 60 70 yards and, and you ask your center forward to press and then you ask everyone else to go well that 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 ball is you've actually lost control of that ball and you haven't moved your team up the pitch so you're not in a good position initially to press, and then you're on the front foot going forward. Like you're going to get hit with space in behind. Behind. So right. again, I think it's uh, what Juan Marlillo says: the the quicker it goes forward, the quicker it goes back. So mm-hmm. if you're going to press, understand how the different moments relate to one another. Right. Uh, and I think as well, it's like, are you going to press? I think we're now at a time where. The new goalkeeper or the new goalkeeper rule is the with the passing has changed. So we're now at a time where you're not going to press for 90 minutes, you know, because mm-hmm. as much as you want to be a pressing team, if you're if you're two 0 up with 10 minutes to go, then it would be uh, it may not be the smartest move. So can you be adaptable and flexible in your systems? Um, how many defensive systems have you? How do you communicate them? How much do the players understand them? And I think we talk a lot about flexibility in the attacking side of the ball, and I think it has a real relevance on the defensive side of the ball as well. So it's like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to generalize it, and you don't want to go too much to where your uh, your players only have basically one thing. Like Barcelona can defend in a low block; um, they're Barcelona, and <laughs> exactly. Your team might, to do, might need to do it as well. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. So it's just yeah. it's just a case of being open um, and asking yourself questions. And again, I think it's a healthy habit for a coach to build is that, you know, that 
that the coach helps to solve the problems with the players, not to right. say that, you know what, you know, I'm going to bring in a fitness coach. Or I'm going to do a, uh, two fitness sessions a week. We'll be able to press because that's not going to work because that again, back to the detail, that's not going to happen. So again, it's, it's, it's zooming out and kind of taking all these different contexts into place. If your team, do, if your team can't stand each other, mm-hmm. they're not going to work for one another and, and how much of pressing revolves you know, if, if it's a lone forward in a four-three-three, and it's against a back four, that that mm-hmm. centre forward is not going to win the ball. That exactly. centre forward's job is to dictate the play, so they're helping somebody else become successful. Mm-hmm. Well, if the centre forward and the number eleven or the number seven can't stand each other, is that going to work? <laughs> no, no support. <laughs> and as well, like it's, uh, I think, I think, I think something that we don't look at is that we see it from, and I've even talked a lot of it on this podcast is mm-hmm. we talk a lot of it about front players press and, you know, it's a front player. It's so much on the front player, but if, if those defenders aren't, aren't used or aren't confident in space in behind and those defenders aren't used to defending, like every defender can defend a goal, no problem. But I think to press, you need them to defend the halfway line. Like you need them to, to be comfortable enough with space in behind. So, you need defenders that are that are brave in possession now in the game, and you need defenders who are brave out of possession if you want to press. Exactly. Also, there's a point I want to to to, um, to to come to just now. Oh yeah, when you were talking, we came we came back to the runs that the forward make. That four, um, even three defenders with one forward and trying to press, he'll never win the ball for sure. And you made a point which um, I think we I would want to to say again that coaches will understand is the role of the lone attacker is to influence where the play goes. So then we can, we can press in that area. Yeah. That, that's, that's part of the, um, the, the approach, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As much as, again, you, you're taking away, you're, you're, you're now dictating in both of those situations, you're now dictating. So even though you don't have control of the ball, mm-hmm. you potentially have control of the game because you're yeah. dictating where the ball will go. So go, yeah. All right. In all of this, what does scouting has to do with pressing? You're saying a scouting system. So you have a pressing game. I want you to explain why that is important. When you're scouting? No, it's part of your pressing. is your scouting. Does it mean that you're looking at a team? Is it... Are there a team that you should press your inferior team? So you can uh, you can always press. Are you going to press a Barcelona? You know, as well as you'd press a, yeah. <laughs> another team, you know? Yeah. So is, what, is that scouting relating to that? That yeah. you were talking yeah. mm-hmm. I think I think what players, again, is, is with the book we wanted to challenge was like it's a, it's a game of intelligence. It's a game of decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's a game of information. Um, as a coach to get that information across and the more information you have the more information uh, will be relevant to, to helping your team and I think again the amount of the amount of decisions on a Saturday and again you can do it on a and I'm sure if a team plays a back three it's going to be a it's going to be a different mm-hmm. uh, pressing system to uh, uh, sorry two centre backs or a back four or um, you know if, if it's a four two three one are they are they building with two holders? How are you gonna? And and these aren't something that I don't think it's something that you, you necessarily as a youth coach or a high school coach you need to get bogged down with. But I do think that again back to that flexibility is that you know you do have to have players 
who understand where the problems are. And again, it's easy for me to say, listen, defenders need to be need to be comfortable up at the halfway line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's two flying forwards that are looking at getting the rollers, uh, yeah, they might not be as comfortable. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think the higher the levels, I think again back to the back to the recruitment side. I think the more Liverpool, like again, even even I experienced it at Red Stars, was the more information that you can give the player prior to the team on the build, then that's usually a pretty good. Uh, like they want that information because they want to know how it's going to feel, and and again with teams being more flexible in the build now that they, they might have a back four, but the six might drop in and it becomes a three every now and again, and mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen all the time. So what do we do if it doesn't? And mm-hmm. um, and and I think even even with the flexibility of a of a six dropping in between fullback and centre back, what happens then? What if teams are going to overload one side? How do we react to that? So. Yeah, I think I think a coach can really help themselves by doing some homework if they can. If not, then maybe it's a case of listen, we know how to press against a back four, a back three, right. four four two, a four, whatever it is. Um it's it might just be a coach calling it or or it might even be a coach empowering the players to do it, which is it would be a great social experiment to say, listen, then, you know, Johnny, what do we do? Um, you'd have to have a lot of confidence in your players, but it'd be a fun one. Yes. The scouting can also isolate a player who has to take two, three touches of the ball. Now, we're talking to the lower level now. So you can say, okay, when, that, when this player gets the ball, he's going he's gonna to take two, three touches before he can move the ball. So that's the trigger. You, you induce the pass to him, to that player or her, and then that's the time I want you to press because he's, he's going to panic. Yes. So I think that's coming with the scouting too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like no one who's, again, the detail there is like, okay, there's there's collective scouting on the, on the opposition teams and then there's <laughs> there's the individuals as they right. profile them. Yeah, I would say if you're going to do it, like you said there, it's it's information like that that's important. That mm-hmm. I would I would try and I would try and be as as clear as possible, but also like don't generalize. Like such and such is good, or such and such has a great left foot, or right. you know, little tendencies, just a little mm-hmm. thing because we've all played the game and nobody plays it with. They're quick. They're fast. <laughs> yeah. They're really well. There's only one in your mind, really, sometimes. I understand. All right. Let, let me just touch a couple of the points. And, uh, two points in one, really. The philosophy of the coach will, will, will influence the culture. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it's very important that he builds a philosophy, right? This is my approach to the game. Or she, or she builds the philosophy. Or she, yeah. And, and, um, I think that has a lot to do with it because you can definitely see that Pep Guardiola has a definite system that he uses. It's from every 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 club that, that he goes to. You can see that, right? So we have to safeguard against when we press, where do we press? Is that some of the things that we should the, the coaches should look for? When, where, and why? If you if you if it's a, if that if I can break it down like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think again, not only has Klopp got a philosophy, but I think. The consistency across yes. the board is amazing. Like, and again, like I, I interviewed the the throw-in coach last week for from a podcast, and he was like, the, the way he talked about Liverpool and their environment was, you know, that they're good people, that they're that it's collaborative, that you would almost be, you could almost def- describe a press and system. It's collaborative. People mm-hmm. care about one another. People work hard. There's high standards. So. I think what 
what Klopp and what uh, Pep have done off the pitch as leaders, I think probably doesn't get enough credit with the fact that they are managing. Like, uh, there's a picture of the Community Shield with Guardiola with 20, I counted 28 staff members. And there was yeah. people, <laughs> people kind of squeeze into the picture. So, like, forget about forget about Aguero and forget about mm-hmm. Aguero. Talk about egos. Like, I would say out of 28 practitioners, there must be 25 of them would have big egos because they're the best in their, their area. Yes. So you not only have to communicate with top players, you mm-hmm. also have to communicate with the top staff members who all want – the the weights train the S and C coach wants them in the gym the video coach wants them in the meetings you know the possession coach wants them out so they all mm-hmm. want different things and I think the the consistency of of a leader to say hey we do it this way mm-hmm. and but also to be collaborative enough to get everyone on board is uh, is the difference I think in a coach who's maybe stuck in the times that say oh yeah I'm I it's my way. But mm-hmm. they're walking on the. Is it saying like a a lonely walk? The different, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah right. they're, they're taking a walk, whereas Klopp is leading people. Yeah, I can't let you get away with that. With, with I just heard this just now, and I've never. Be honest with you, in all my years, I've never heard of this one. You see, the throwing coach. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he concentrates on throwings. Oh, like this is a. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta let this guy's amazing. So this guy's yes. from. Um, this guy's from Denmark, and and basically, uh, in the in the podcast, he's got he's got a the story is that Klopp, Liverpool were the second worst team in the Premier League at throw-ins, mm-hmm. and throw-ins isn't just like did they not score from them. No, they they turned over possession, the oh. second most in the Premier League from throw-ins. He's worked with them for two years or maybe three years, and they're now the third best team in Europe in throw-ins, and that's retention and goals. And uh, but then again, you you listen to him, Vin, and you're like, you know, the way he talks is like it makes you go, aha, you know, um, people. And that's the thing for being how, how humble does Klopp have to be? How open minded does Klopp have to be? Yes. Say, ah, and not only did he interview him, he he hired him on the first day. He started on the first day, so he's oh. like, you're gonna start right away. He was uh, super impressed then. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah. Pretty inspiring that that again. I think creativity and innovation are hard to get into the game because you know we we we've, we've all played it and we all feel it. Uh, mm-hmm. So sometimes, to a certain degree, we all think we're humble, but to a certain degree, that we all know it all. So to be different and to to take new ideas on, not just to listen to them, mm-hmm. but take them into our environment and say, ah, you know what, I'm going to change something to bring that person in. That's how much I believe. And I, and I think that's a great message for young coaches yes. who, who would read the book on it mm-hmm. and say it's great, but may not change their daily processes. And I think the change is, the, is where the gold is. And I think that those examples set a standard that I think we should, oftentimes we say we don't have the, the, the resources, the, the, the smaller clubs to get these people in place. But I believe that is a level that we should try to even implement not we won't have 28 staff members for yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> but in the in the areas we have to get now into the, the attacking coach the defensive coach you know the throwing coach to me i never i never looked at it that way to be honest with you in all my years of coaching this is the first time hearing this and and i'm 
I've learned something from this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm not ashamed to say it, you know, because I've never heard of it. We might, we might have a, we might think about that it is in place, but I never look at it that way. But when you say that they lost the ball from throwings, mm. and that is serious because I lost a, a, a game from a throwing in a, in a, in a, in a FIFA qualifying game with girls. We had, we took a throwing in our attacking third. Mm. Pretty close to their 18-yard line, and the throw was given away, counter-attack, goal. So it, it resonates with me when you say that. <laughs> yeah, it resonates with me. All right, I'm going to wrap up now, but what I would like from you is to just go over some of the, the, the areas that you think coach should address when they're developing um, self-repressing again. Just go over those points to wrap up. Yeah, I think I think your philosophy basically on, like, do I want to do it? I, you know, and I think that's it's a, it's a simple question. But like, do I understand the ins and outs of it? And yeah, it's 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 a it's a risk system. Like, am I comfortable with the space in behind? Am I comfortable that this is going to take? If I go down this road with my team, you might get bit on the backside for a few games. Like, you might lose a goal or two. In the same way that if you if you want to start building from the back you're going to you know there's going to be a growth period where the mistakes are going to be made and i think that's where you you have to commit to it um and you also have to measure it and that's something that we finished the book up with is like you can press really well and lose the game 4-0 and that can happen and that's that's just soccer you can press really badly and win a game 5-0 right <laughs> so don't, don't gauge it off the you know have have met <clears throat> in place or or have someone watch it go back on video and if you're going to go down a road be passionate about it because mm-hmm. if you're just doing it because Klopp or Pep does it or have done it then you know then the players aren't going to buy in because there's going to come a time that you have to sell this thing and if if you're not strong and passionate in your convictions because you're actually asking people to do more work and you're actually asking people to work harder for one another and yes. it's 2020. That's not consistent with how we're built today. So <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have people that are like not because they don't like you or they disrespect you, but you're gonna have players saying like, "I don't want to make that run." And you're gonna have to say, "This is why we do it, and this is why it's important to us." But if you're like, "Well, I'll get someone else who does," then mm-hmm. that's not gonna work either. So I think it, it's it's again, it's there's so much depth to it. But I think the first step is you know, have a read about it. Think about mm-hmm. what you want your team to look like and then think, do I want to go down a road of fighting this here? Or would I rather go down a road of, you know, possibly not being on the front foot defensively and conceding more goals? Because although you might lose, and that's where I say, I think in coach education, we should teach opportunity cost. Because if we swap the other one out, it doesn't actually necessarily, it might mean less confrontation or less, you know, less having to sell things. We might we get closer to average, and then if we're closer to average, what's the point? True, 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 true. Gary, it was really great talking to you. Loved it, I mean, man. I loved it. I loved it. I, I must before I even go further, I must encourage my my listeners to go to um, your podcast, Modern Soccer Coach. That's what it's called, right? Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Yeah, yeah. Some excellent topics. Some good good conversation. And at the same time, visit Modern Soccer Coaches' uh, website. You can uh, purchase books, all the books that um, Gary has written. 
And I don't, I don't know where you find the time, Gary, but yeah. <laughs> but it's there, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, good, good uh, information for coaches. All these things that we are talking about and we're just talking about, it's just, we just, we just, um, it's a tip of the iceberg. The book itself will give you coaching sessions that you can follow and other advice that is very critical to how you should organize when you want to press. Uh, once again, thanks, Gary. I mean, it was really, really informative. If I learned one thing today, it is about the throwing coach. <laughs> I look forward to having more discussions with right. you in the, future, in the near future. And it was my pleasure having you on. Thank you, Ben. Loved it. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Coaches, I must say that this discussion was quite informative and engaging. Gary's views on developing a successful pressing system should have given you some insight on how to plan your next coaching session to do with pressing. Thanks for listening. If you found value in the show, please share with your friends. We'd love to hear your views. So if you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to visit our website at onthesideline.net where you can access coaching sessions and more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.